Hello and welcome to your San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. The Brazilian variant of the coronavirus has made its way to San Diego. We'll talk to reporter Jonathan Wozen. Then, reader engagement editor Andrew Kleski shares what stories are getting attention this week. First, the news. Starting April 1st, all Californians 50 and older will be eligible for a coronavirus vaccine. Those 16 and older will become eligible beginning April 15th, according to an announcement Thursday from the office of Governor Gavin Newsom. The statewide announcement comes as officials anticipate a steady rise in vaccine supply. The rise of the new coronavirus variants underscores the importance of vaccinating as many people as possible as quickly as possible to slow the spread of the coronavirus. Those in the soon-to-be-eligible groups won't be able to schedule appointments through MyTurn, the state's vaccination notification and scheduling system, until April 1st or 15th. The governor also said effective immediately that family members who show up with someone currently eligible to get immunized can also get their shot, regardless of age, occupation, or medical history. In a major ruling affecting criminal justice across 58 counties, the California Supreme Court ruled Thursday that the state cannot keep criminal defendants behind bars simply because they cannot afford to post bail. The unanimous decision by the California Supreme Court comes four months after 55% of voters refused to end cash bail at the ballot box. The ruling said if a defendant poses little risk of harming others or failing to return to court, a court may release that person. A court may release that person with appropriate conditions. Judges may still conclude that money bail is reasonable, but they must set the bail in an amount the person can afford. Sewer rates for San Diegans in single-family homes would increase nearly 19% next year and a total of 28% over the next four years under a new city proposal. But rates for most businesses, condominiums, and apartments would go down next year and remain mostly steady over the next four years under the proposal. An analysis of future sewer system costs found that single-family homeowners are not paying enough to cover the overall maintenance and expansion costs of the city's sewer system, which will soon begin purifying treated sewage into drinkable water. In contrast, the analysis found that businesses, condominiums, and apartments are paying more than their fair share. Eighteen regions nationwide have detected the Brazilian variant of the coronavirus, and now San Diego is one of them. Two people have tested positive for the variant, which can reinfect people who have already had COVID-19. One case is a person who recently entered the country from Mexico and is not a local resident. The second person lives in the area. Jonathan Wozen is the biotech reporter at the UT. Jonathan, what do we know about the Brazilian variant, and how did it get here? It's a good question. So, you know, this is one of a whole lot of variants of the coronavirus that have emerged from the fact that so many people are infected throughout the world and the virus, like any virus, changes and mutates. Some of those mutations help it, some of them hurt it. In this case, there seem to be mutations here that help the virus, that help it infect cells and that make it a little, at least a, a bit more resistant to certain parts of the immune response I think we're still learning more about exactly where at least one of these individuals acquired the virus because this is somebody who was living in San Diego and hadn't been traveling. So they must have gotten it from at least one other person and potentially more people. So there does seem to be a bit of community spread here. 
you know, the, the thing about these variants is that to find them, you have to do sequencing. So we do more sequencing in San Diego than other parts of the country, which is probably one of the reasons why we've found it, not necessarily that this is a hot spot. Um, so, you know, as people are moving around the world, they are taking the virus with them. And so UK variants end up in places outside the UK and the same with South Africa and the same with uh, this particular Brazil um, strain as, as well. What is the situation in Brazil right now? What are they experiencing? So they they are seeing large numbers of reinfections. Uh, you know, even after surges they had back in December, they're seeing places that were hit hard or being hit hard again. Um, and, and that may be because the immunity that those people had was to a different strain of the virus than this strain that, that's now dominant there and, and becoming increasingly prevalent uh, throughout Latin America. I don't think we have precise numbers really because there's not enough sequencing to pin that down. Uh, but it, it does seem like you know the, the virus has mutated in ways where a few important pieces on its surface uh, have different shapes. And so the immune system is really specific to certain structures. And so as those structures change, uh, then an immune response might be less effective you know, the, the two people we're talking about in San Diego had pretty mild disease. They didn't go to the hospital. They recovered, you know, on their own fairly quickly is what we heard from the county yesterday. And, you know, there is some evidence that the vaccines that are currently out there should provide some level of protection. So the Johnson & Johnson vaccine was actually tested in Latin America and was, I think, 66% effective. Your typical flu shot is between 40 and 60. So the, the basic message here is still that we need to vaccinate as many people as quickly as we can, and that the public health guidelines we're hearing uh, you know, for pre preventing any strain of COVID as far as wearing masks and social distancing are still you know, good things to be abiding by. And this probably just underscores that. Kind of like how we saw the pandemic unfold in Europe before it reached us, do you think that the state of affairs in Brazil could be our future? Well, it doesn't have to be. It certainly doesn't doesn't have to be, and and I think if you look at our vaccination numbers, we've vaccinated the vast majority of San Diegans, 65 and up, who are the people who are most likely to die from COVID-19. The county shared yesterday during their weekly press conference that that I think about 98 plus, more than 98 percent of seniors in the south region of San Diego have been vaccinated, and that's a community that that's been much harder hit by, by the pandemic. So, you know, our, our rollout is still one of the, you know, we're still among the top counties in the state in terms of vaccinating a share of our population. And since we do expect vaccines to provide some protection against the variants, especially against severe hospitalization and uh, people potentially dying, I, I don't see any reason that we have to see major surges uh, as long as we're getting our shots on time and still exercising some caution in terms of wearing a mask and, and avoiding large indoor gatherings right now. So the vaccines do currently protect people um, from the variants. I mean, somewhat. Are the vaccines being modified to be more effective against new variants? Yeah, I mean, some of that's already happening. So I believe in late February, Moderna announced that they had tweaked their vaccine design to work against the South African variant. Uh, by the way, both the South African and Brazil strains share a couple of important mutations, uh, which makes them among 
some of the strains that are of, of most concerns, kind of the phrase you hear scientists throw out. So yeah, companies are already tweaking their, vac their vaccines based on sequencing the virus and, and then quickly using that sequence to build out a, a new or, or modified vaccine. And, and the FDA has already said, you're not gonna have to test a modified vaccine over the course of years in tens of thousands of people, as long as you can show us that you get strong immune response, mainly based on, on looking at antibody responses, which you can measure from somebody's blood, that you can do this much more quickly if you've already got a vaccine that we've looked at and, and authorized or approved. So companies are, are working on that as we speak. And so with this new variant, is there anything new we need to be doing to protect ourselves? There's nothing new, but I, I think it does underscore the importance of all the old things that we're probably tired of hearing. You know, the bottom line here is that the more virus that's out there in the world, the more opportunities there are for it to mutate and the higher the chances are that it'll mutate in ways that really are major problems because maybe vaccine efficacy goes from, instead of going from you know 70 to 60 or 80 to 60, maybe it, it you know, tips down well below 50, which was really the bar the FDA set for all these companies that are developing vaccines. So, so yeah, I think the, the bottom line maybe is that we're still in a pandemic. There's still a virus that is widely circulating. And the more we can bring that down in the next few days, next month, couple of months, uh, the, the better off we're going to be in the long term. Let's turn to opinion. Andrew Kleski is the Reader Engagement Editor at the UT. Okay, Andrew, so this past week we asked people what would be the first thing that they want to do once they get their vaccine. What are some ideas people had? Well, most people had the same idea the rest of us have, which is get back together with our families and to be able to hug them again. Uh, some of the responses we got were actually very touching. Uh, grandmothers getting to hug their grandchildren for the first time, things like that. But we also got some interesting ones that I didn't anticipate. I've got one person who uh, said they're looking forward to going back to concerts because they consider concerts to be a very uh, communal, you know, uh, a very, a great way of uh, almost therapy to get together with people's, people who are like-minded about a particular uh, genre or musician and share experiences. Uh, We've got people who are going to travel, of course. I know that's something I'd like to do when we get back to normal. We also got a few people pointing out that normal isn't really going to be normal, at least for some time, is we're not quite sure how effective this vaccine or vaccines are going to be over the long run and how often we may need to take them again. So there's some there's some admonitions in there to say, uh, you know, keep your mask on and keep your distance because we're not exactly sure how this is all going to play out. Yeah, I agree with that live music one. I think I would go see any band if I could, if I liked them or not. It's nice to get together with a bunch of strangers and scream at the stage. Sure. <laughs> yeah, it is. And something we haven't done in far too long. Um, okay, so what is our your say question this week? Well, there's a series of bills before the state legislature rel relative to uh, creating more housing in California, which of course we deemed a crisis because the, it's so unaffordable and there's just not enough stock being built. 
to change that. So these six bills uh, are, in are aimed at that. And the one we focused on primarily is a bill that would, for all intents and purposes, eliminate the restrictions on single family properties, single family parcels. And of course, that's not gonna be controversial at all because uh, everybody, nobody minds having a you know four unit apartment building put up next door to their single family house. So we're asking people uh, how they feel about that. Do they think it's going to be a workable scenario? And uh, we'll see what we get. I think I think we'll get both sides of the argument. There are those who think, yeah, the single family residence is becoming a thing of a past in California. Uh, if we wanna make sure we can squeeze in all the people who can't afford one of those crazy overpriced single family residences. But then there's going to be those a, those people on board who already have a home and are thinking, I shouldn't have to give up my privacy and the contract I made with the, with the city and the community that my house would be in a single family neighborhood for the rest of my existence. And there's also, I think, going to be some people pointing out that uh, if, if there's no such thing as single family residences, then only the rich will have single family residences. That's not really fair either, is it? That, you know, millionaires and millionaires, they get to live in a house, but the rest of us just have to eke out a living in apartment building. So it'll be a, it'll be a very interesting take. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Definitely passionate, um, passionate arguments on both sides. And I just wanted to mention, we do plan to dig into these six bills as an editorial board. So um, I'll let our readers I'll let our listeners know about that when they're ready. Um, what else have letter writers been writing to you about this week? Well, big issues include uh, the border. There's quite a crush across the border right now. It is that time of the year when, uh, when border crossings spike, but that in combination with a new president has caused a lot of people to speculate on what that means. Uh, people are looking at local issues, including uh, the Ash Street purchase that is becoming to look like more and more of a debacle and people want answers. People are asking for more, uh, more investigation and how that came together. And uh, just, just the usual complaining and bickering about the, the various things that go on in our lives every day. Have you gotten any letters about housing the migrant children at the convention center? That's, a, that's one big issue. We've got, uh, some people who see it as a great idea. We did an editorial pointing out that this really is a good example of government working together to solve a problem. So we've got some people making that point as well, saying it's it's good that you know the convention center is empty right now anyway. Why not use that as a facility for uh, migrant children that are you know stuck at the border? But then there are those that think that it's it's not a good sign that we would uh, give that much care and attention to non-citizens. And uh, their their concern is, well, well, didn't we just tell all the homeless that were living there that they've got to leave? And now we're putting in non-citizens. So the optics of that doesn't really uh, work for them. Huh, I hadn't thought of it uh, that way. And so I guess finally, Andrew, if somebody wants to send you a letter or somebody wants to submit a response to your say, what do they need to know and where should they send their response? Well, the best thing is take a look at letters in the paper every day. There's a little box at the end that explains it, but basically we need your name, your community, your daytime contact phone number. You got to keep them to about 150 words or less and uh, keep it civil, keep it accurate. Um, 
be thoughtful and uh, send it to us at letters at, at theuniontribune.com. You can find these stories online at sandiegouniontribune.com. I'm Christy Totten, host of the San Diego News Fix. Thanks for listening.